Hey, listener, are you happy with your current chicken wings? Do you wish you had something a little saucier? If you answered yes, then it might be time for you to break up with your old chicken wings and get a new honey. Lemon pepper wing from Popeye's. Share the wings with your friends so they can see it's time to move on, too. Head to Popeye's and get six-piece honey lemon pepper wings for $5.99. At participating U.S. restaurants, price may vary. Remember the Thai cave rescue? What about the mission depicted in Black Hawk Down or the epic rescue shown in Captain Phillips? You've probably heard of all of these, but did you know that U.S. Air Force Special Warfare played a pivotal role in all of them? These airmen are the most highly trained warriors on the planet. Other forces like the SEALs and Army Rangers call on them to provide skills no one else can. Not many people make the cut, but if you think you can, visit AirForce.com to learn more. This is the Busted Open Podcast. You can listen to the full show Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. Welcome to the Busted Open Podcast. This is Dave LaGreca. On today's episode, WWE Hall of Famer, TNA Hall of Famer, and one of the greatest tag team wrestlers of all time, Bully Ray, and I talk about the most, and I mean the most, annoying chant in the world of pro wrestling the what chant we get into that and how it affected monday night raw last night also we talked to brian gewertz that's right author of there's just one problem true tales from the former one time seventh most powerful person in the wwe also he talks about the new show tales from the territories which premieres tonight on vice and of course season three of young rock that's coming up in November, right now, on the Busted Open Podcast. What? I was going to say. What? That on the what? show yesterday. What? That you and I. What? We're getting ready to talk about Monday Night Raw. What? what? So last night, I sat down. What? 8 p.m. Eastern Time. What? What? Put on USA like I always do on a Monday night. What? What? <laughs> Watched Monday Night Raw. What? What? And and now today on a Tuesday morning. What? I'm going to talk about it with you, bully. What? What? <laughs> Good morning, what? bully. What? Good morning, what? bully. Isn't it annoying? It's the most annoying thing ever. And I actually went, as you said, bully 30 seconds into the judgment days promo last night and went on Twitter and said that without a doubt, the worst thing about pro wrestling is those damn what chance. I mean, it, it was ridiculous. Uh, how quickly those people started chanting what last night on the judgment day, as if they had it, uh, they already knew that they were going to start doing it just to hijack a show for the sake of it. Uh, totally uncalled for. It's getting distracting. It's getting annoying. It has nothing to do with the fans being uninterested in a promo. I, ha I uh, saw some people chime in real quick on social media last night saying, well, you know, if the promos were better, the promo was lasted 30 seconds. Yeah, it just started. It's it's getting stupid. You know, people like, well, you know, blame Steve Austin. He started it. No, people chanted what with Steve. It was part of his act. 
Now it's become something that goes on years later that just takes away from a show. It takes away from the performers. It's just, it's idiotic. Shame on that crowd last night for, for, um, you know, putting the kibosh on a promo uh, that, that never got out of its own way because people just started chanting what? And, and, and it distracted Finn. You saw Finn get distracted. He fumbled his words, and then he started screaming. And then when he did fumble his words, I think he, he said last night as opposed to last week, there was actually cheers from the crowd like they were happy that they were able to distract Finn enough to throw him off his game, and they actually found enjoyment in that. Like, listen, um, I, I get and, – and, and I got a lot of pushback – from people on social media last night. A lot of people saying, hey, in, re- in regards to that St. Paul, Minnesota crowd last night, that, hey, you pay for a ticket, you get to boo and cheer. I'm all about that. You can boo and cheer all you want. But, like, this is different. Finn just started talking on the microphone. And I would think by this time, whether you love the character or hate the character, and you're supposed to hate the character right now because – you know, he is a heel on Monday Night Raw, that he's got the respect of the WWE Universe. He's done enough to earn that respect. And I feel like right away they're trying to hijack that promo. And you know what? It, it It's distracting. It's distracting to me, Bully, as a viewer watching it on TV. I can't even imagine what it must be like in the ring when you're trying to when you're trying to do a promo like Finn was last night. It's very distracting to the talent and you start to, you know, real quick things start going through your head because you know that you're taught not to not to acknowledge the what chance, but you want to address them so bad. You just want to tell the people, man, shut the hell up. You know, it's a, imagine, you know, you showed up at somebody's job and you started doing what during their presentation or, or, or something like that or while they're doing their work. It's it, it's it's just so uncalled for. It doesn't work anymore. It, you Like you said, it is a distraction. I wanted to hear what the Judgment Day had to say last night. But 20, 30 seconds in, now I got what chance? And I'm like, oh, this again. Um, it's. Uh, I, I hope wrestling fans will, will reconsider this chant that has be, become, it, it's, it's stupid is what it is. Listen, if, if somebody's going out there and they're really botching their promo and you're really uninterested in it. I'm not encouraging encouraging you to say do the what chance, but I kind of get it. Yeah. Not when an act is out there for a blink of an eye and you start doing it already. You're just going into business for yourself. And um, you know, ho- hopefully it doesn't happen much more, but uh, it, it's, wishful it's thinking worse. on my part. It's getting worse, bully and and it's it's a distraction to the point like I don't even remember what Finn and Damian Priest were saying last night on the microphone because it was just like all I'm thinking about is like is Finn going to be able to get through these what chants and and to hear a pop from the crowd when you know he did make that mistake because he got like and I mean watching it he did get you know frazzled you know while talking last night and and for some reason that crowd found enjoyment that they were able to get to him enough that he made a mistake on the microphone. I, I don't get it. I don't know why you would want to listen. If there's a pop fly to center field and you want to yell and scream because you want the center fielder to drop the ball, thus your team getting a hit. 
I understand that. You know, people will yell and scream at sporting events all the time because they want the, uh, you know, the opposing team to make a mistake. Uh, the at basketball games, the the fans that sit behind the, you know, the the hoop and they wave their arms in the air and they and they shout and they scream when somebody's shooting a free throw. Yeah, I get that. This is the world of sports entertainment, and people are out there trying to entertain you. They're trying to do their job. You paid to see them entertain you. You paid to see them wrestle. You paid to see them talk and everything in between. And they're out there and you immediately start to chant what? For what reason? What's the point? So you can go home and watch Raw on your DVR and go, look, I was part of the what chant. You're not in on the act anymore, folks. If Steve Austin is in the ring and you're doing the what along with him, then I get it. You're a part of the act. Steve What wants you to do the what chant. There's not one other wrestler on the planet that wants you to do the what chant while they're cutting a promo. A lot of people were chiming in and uh, um, uh, were saying that Undertaker was able to really cut people off one time and he said something like, uh, if you if you want to sleep with your mom or your sister, say what? And the morons said what again? Yeah. And then they finally stopped doing it. But not everybody has the leniency or the leeway to say whatever the hell they want on the stick. You're supposed to just blow past it and pretend that they're not saying it. It's a lot easier said than done. Yeah, and then I, I saw a lot of tweets that said, well, the wrestler is going to have to learn to deal with it or change their cadence. It's like... Really? So now, like, the wrestlers have to to completely change the way they do things because of a what chant? Listen, I, I, on AEW, when MJF is on the microphone, a lot of fans chant, shut the F up. But that, but that adds to the character of MJF. He is a heel. That makes more sense because they hate him. You're supposed to ha- hate MJF. He feeds off that chant. These what chants aren't because it's a heel. Because bullies, sometimes they do it to the babyface wrestlers as well when they're on the microphone. They just want to try to get themselves over. Listen, I, I'm not going to judge. This is one of those things, Bully. I actually would love to hear from the nation about this. Because on my on my Twitter feed last night, it was about 50-50 when it comes to this what chance. I, I'm very interested what kind of satisfaction that fans get by chanting what during an event like we saw last night? You know what? If you were at the show last night and you were one of those people chanting what, I would love for you to call in today. We'll put you to the front of the line. We will put you on this show immediately just so you could let us know why you decided to chant what. Because, Dave, that might have happened last night quicker than I've ever seen it happen before. It was the, it was the opening opening segment of the show like you said 30 seconds in like and 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 the number is 877-344-4893 877-FIGHT-93 because I would love to hear from the nation about this bully but if it was like two hours and 30 minutes in and we're getting a a slow plodding promo from somebody and the fans had to put up with a show that maybe they weren't entertained in or maybe they weren't happy I would understand, like, the pyro just went off. The show just started. You should be excited. You should be happy. Like, and then 30 seconds into the, into the show, you're already doing the what chance? I'm, I'm sorry. That goes a bit over my head. I just don't get it. 
Dave, I totally agree with you. I think we've talked about it. Um, I don't want to say we've talked about it enough. I think we've got this. Um, we've talked about well, this a lot, though, on the show. This is something that comes up, but it, it feels to me, Bully, and this, this, listen, let's be honest here. This is supposed to be the new era of the WWE, right? This is the Triple H era. Everybody's all giddy and happy. There's somebody new in charge of creative. This is a new show. This is a different Monday Night Raw. If I feel like it's happening now over the last couple of months more than ever before with these what chants. Like, I thought the fans were happy. I thought they were satisfied. I thought this was a new era that they wanted, and they're getting it. So why right off the bat you're already dissatisfied with Monday Night Raw? Like I said, they go into business for themselves. They think that that's the, the, the you know the right thing to do while they're at the show. You know, it's not like the whole arena was chanting what, but it was definitely an audible amount. You talk about you know being two and a half hours into the show. I'll even I'll even be a lot a lot more lenient. Let's say Finn Balor was two minutes into his promo and the people were turned off by it and were bored by it and they decided to chant what. Not that I'd be okay with it, but I'd be like, all right, they're they're that uninterested. This happened immediately. Like he got his first line out and they started chanting what? Yeah, it's I, pointless. It's I absolutely it, pointless. Bully, I think at that point it could have been anybody. It could have been Rhea, it could have been Damian Priest, it could have been Dom, it could have been anybody that started off that show last night. And they would have been doing those what chants. And then I was getting people saying, well, I hate the fight forever chants and all that. And I get it. But at least those are people buying into the match. Those are people excited about the match. You may not like the chant itself, but at least it's fans saying, I love, I appreciate what's going on. I, I, I like that a hell of a lot more than those what chants. If people are chanting fight forever or this is awesome, they're showing appreciation for a match, okay? And nobody chants fight forever or this is awesome 30 seconds into anything. So, no. uh, you know, on the other hand, if you hated the promo, okay, you can't hate a promo 30 seconds in. He hasn't said anything yet. Hasn't got to the meat and potatoes. You don't even know, you don't even know what's on their mind. That's just, go, that, that's just trying to hijack a show. That's like, well, you know, we don't get raw here very often. Often, We don't get smacked down here very often. We're on live TV, so we're just going to chant what? Because we want to be cool, and we want to try to throw the wrestlers off. Uh, you, you see you see right here? Look, look. This is when I started to chant what, and I threw Finn Balor off his promo. I did that because they want to go on a message board or on Twitter or on their Facebook. It's stupid. How about we show up at your job and start chanting what? Or do something to take you out of your game. Come on, people. Be better. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with factors. No prep, no mess meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factors Fresh Never Frozen Meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients that you can trust. Treat yourself to restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. 
Head to Factormeals.com slash Busted50 and use code Busted50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code Busted50 at Factormeals.com slash Busted50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. If you missed anything this week on Mad Dog Sports Radio, I got you covered. It's Mike Babchick's Morning After, where we play back the best clips of the week and recap in a way you have never heard before. It's a roast like no other, and no one is safe. Not Mad Dog, not anyone. This is a Morning After walk of shame you actually won't regret. You can find Mike Babchick's Morning After on Sirius XM, Pandora, Stitcher, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Don't forget to follow the show so you never miss an episode. Mr. Brian Gowards. Brian, good morning, and thanks for the time. How's Brian? Memphis? Because that's where you are right now, right? Yeah, no, Memphis uh, Memphis is good. It's definitely a stark departure from Australia, uh, where we shot the first two seasons of Young Rock, but they've been treating us very well. Um, I'm, I'm just excited because we, like, now, without getting too much into it, and I know you asked about Memphis and not Young Rock, but I'll, I'll segue anyway. Like, we're shooting... Like this season, we're we're segging into Rocky Maivia into The Rock, so we shot a pretty historic uh, promo yesterday uh, in the ring with uh, Uli as uh, Dwayne, and yeah, it's just like everybody is just like you know when you're shooting and you know it could be repetitive, it could sometimes be tedious doing take after take, different angles and everything else, but everybody is just like completely wide-eyed smiling goosebumps you know watching this like very famous promo uh get recreated in the ring it was really really cool and we're gonna get into the young rock and that premieres friday november 4th um and we'll get into that but i want to get into a show that premieres tonight on vice and that's tales from the territories um first episode is on memphis where you are right now probably one of the hottest territories of all time first talk about the development of this idea and coming off the popularity of young rock and also dark side of ring why this is the perfect time for this type of show yeah you know this is this is how a lot of our shows come about where you know we see you know uh rock post something on social media that just like what he's watching it's kind of how it's how our uh Behind the Attraction show on Disney Plus came about because he posted about the toys that made us, the same creators. We met with them. That show got created. And he was posting about Dark Side. And I was a fan of Dark Side. Um, and, you know, that led to meeting Evan and Jason. And it's funny because we, when I spoke to Rock, Dwayne, before meeting with those guys, it was, you know, his direction and it was kind of mine as well. I, I was, we we're on the same wavelength was like, let's see if we could like create a show. Like they've done the dark side of the business. You know, they've covered that extensively. Um, where is, can we tap into something that covers just the wild and crazy and fun side of the business? The business that, you know, Dwayne obviously grew up in, uh, moving around territory to territory with his dad and mom, um, you know, in, in, in PPW in Hawaii with his grandmother and grandfather. Uh, and yeah, and that's, you know, and Evan and Jason had the same idea in terms of like, let's, let's cover just the complete, like, like the stories that I would hear when I first started in WWE, like I, I tweeted about yesterday, you know, I started and, and literally like rode in the car with Michael Hayes and, and Bruce Pritchard and, you know, listening to Pat Patterson, Jack Lanza, Jerry Briscoe, JR, 
tell these incredible stories and it's like stuff that you you wouldn't believe if you just heard it but without any context it's like let's do let's tap into that let's let's do that so you know we got together we created you know an outline a deck uh we, we were working with chavo guerrero as well um and ultimately you know we we sold it to vice who was you know very much interested in telling a different side of the wrestling business Brian, obviously, you've had a very long relationship with Dwayne, with The Rock, since his you know days in the WWE, and now all of the other stuff that you're doing to him with TV shows and you know Young Rock and, and the new show that's coming out tonight. How has your relationship changed? How has your relationship improved? What's different about your relationship now with Rocky than it was maybe when you were working together in the WWE? You know, it's interesting. It really hasn't changed all that much. The dynamic hasn't really changed. The stuff we talk about has changed because now we're not talking about like, uh, you know, Kurt Angle and William Regal and their little balls and, you know, telling, you know, the story of them as children and how we're going to, you know, correlate that into a promo um, versus, you know, how, which, which shows are we going to be pitching this year and the marketing behind like a giant blockbuster, like black Adam that's coming up or, you know, any, you know, the under armor align or even ZOA and <laughs> life comes full circle with the XFL. So it's, but it's really the same dynamic, which is he's always open to hearing any and all ideas from anybody, um, you know, and, and, see where it goes from there because you never know where a good idea is going to come from or if somebody can you know take part of one idea and spitball it and then he adds on to it i add on to it hiram garcia president seven bucks adds on to it danny everybody and and see what comes out of it he's very inclusive and very um like hey we have nothing to lose by hearing you out so let's uh let's see what what comes out of it but in terms of uh you know anything massively changing it really, it, it honestly, it's a great question because it's funny. It truly is um, the same exact dynamic, only talking about stuff outside of, but sometimes still inside of, but mainly outside of the wrestling business. You know, Brian, you're obviously a big Mets fan. You're a big sports fan. When I fell in love with pro wrestling 40 years ago as part of the territory system, I always looked at pro wrestling as a sport. I didn't really look at it as a form of entertainment. Uh, is that reflected on this show? Because I would think the panel that you have and that you've assembled for these shows that probably back then most fans did look at as real and as a sport. Yeah, well, that's that's the beauty of these stories is that it comes during a time. All these stories are from, you know, mainly like the 70s and 80s. Um, where people, you know, some people were quote unquote smart to the business, but for the most part, you know, those fans in Memphis, you know, during, um, you know, Jerry Lawler and, and, you know, Jeff and Jerry Jarrett and the whole Andy Kaufman saga, which is the second episode, um, whether they knew deep down it was, you know, entertainment or not, people treated it as real. And whether they just suspended disbelief or just that's what they actually thought, um, there's so much, you know, the, the way the audience took in wrestling in the territories days is so much different than it is today, where like people go online now, they're not really talking about the angles so much as how the angles were booked 
and yeah. who I would have put over and like that kind of thing. And, oh, what's the next program going to be, you know, versus I hate this guy and I want to see him get his ass kicked, which is really like, you know, as, as you guys know, the, the whole nature and, and, you know, the, the formula for success in the business um, you know, the, the days of, you know, and obviously bully knows this very well, lives it, you know, going into a bar. And if you get embarrassed by a civilian, a fan, you know, your job is now in serious jeopardy because you can't have that get out. Um, and it's, it's just, it's kind of a beautiful time, you know, and, and that's when I was a fan too, like starting in the mid eighties, and I'd get my pro wrestling illustrated and see who was the full color, you know, uh, fold out and see who is the most hated opponent and who's, you know, all that stuff and look at the rankings and debate the rankings and, you know, look at the, the, the live event section in the back and, and see like, uh, did, did Piper win in Portland this week? You know, like that kind of thing. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it, it was treated much differently. The fan relationship with the wrestlers was much different. And the wrestlers who lived it, you know, had a much, much different dynamic, obviously some crossover and some similarities, but, you know, just in terms of the culture and the way it was taken in by an audience, uh, so much different. And and the stories are, are just so powerful because of it. And, and Bully, really quick, Bully, and, and I didn't mean to interrupt, but like, I think a lot of newer fans that are listening right now really don't understand what that world was like, because Brian's 100% right, like, I would get the uh, the issue of Pro Wrestling Illustrated. I would go to the arena reports to see if my favorites won over the course of the last month. You'd look at the rankings and see, all right, where's my where's my favorites? Where are they ranked? You know, are they going to get a shot at the world title? Like you did look at it as as a sport. You know, your local wrestling was the wrestling that you watched. Like that was like the home team. Like Brian being a Met fan, like. It was completely different. You didn't have your favorite shows or what What are the angles. You really bought into what you were watching on your TV as real. Uh, didn't mean to interrupt, Bully, but go ahead. No, I was just curious to know from Brian, You, you at one point in your career, you were the seventh most influential person in the WWE. If you were around today, would you have moved up the rankings or down the rankings? I don't know. I think seventh was a solid uh, number. You know, it's impressive enough. To get people's attention, but not too, you know, top five at, you know, full of yourself to be like, uh, oh, this this person is is living in denial. So, yeah, I probably, you know, keep that seventh position, maybe eighth. So so serious question, as as wrestlers, we look at, you know, if I look at the WWE now and I say, wow, knowing the performer that I was back in the day, could I survive in this climate uh, of today could i you know work well in the system today you were you once you know basically the head of creative you you know you 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 were in charge you were the your head honcho there but when you see what goes on creatively now could you envision yourself back in a creative role of a wrestling company or or if you were thrown right back into the machine could you still do it your way like you did back in the day during the you know during the attitude era or the ruthless aggression era yeah, I mean, it's always, you know, it's it's like working a muscle a little bit, um, you know, your promo muscle as a writer in terms of getting into the you know, swing of things again, because um, I've had occasionally, you know, some some talent at WWE give me a call and say, hey, what's a, what's a good line I could say to this person? Not often, but every now and then. And then I'm like, well, I don't know. I'm in the middle of this thing. And then I'm like, then I start thinking about it. And then that muscle starts, you know, working again. 
And all of a sudden I've written like a 10 minute promo and I'm sending it to the person. Um, yeah, I think it like never, it's like riding a bike or whatever, you know, analogy you want to make it never truly goes away. Um, you know, obviously whenever rock is coming back to WWE, you know, when he does, um, that's not a, you know, clickbaity, like, Hey, he's coming back. And like, you know, whenever that moment occurs in the past and, you know, hopefully one day in the future, um, you know, I'm always, you know, back with him, as you know, in fact, whenever I show up, in fact, I'm going to raw, uh, in Brooklyn on, uh, Monday because I'm going to be back in New York, uh, cause of black Adam week, black Adam premiere, um, and, you know, maybe some Mets playoff games, but, um, <laughs> You know, whenever I show up to WWE nowadays, uh, the first response from everybody is, oh, my God, is The Rock here? You know, because that's just they're they're just, you know, associate me being the precursor, the Jimmy Olsen, I guess, if you will, of uh, Rock coming. But it is but I'm just going um, well, I'm not going alone. I am going um, hopefully uh, with a with a cast member from Young Rock who's also in Black Adam. So that will be cool. But yeah, I mean, like the bottom line is. You never, and I never truly like leaves my psyche or goes away. Um, and I think if, you know, if I, if I was ever in that position, I don't ever really envision myself in that position as a job again, but you know, as they say in the wrestling business, you never say never. And, and if it did, um, I think it's actually fully from what I understand. And I, and I don't know, you know, I see the guys every now and then Ed Koski, Bruce Pritchard, um, you know, text with, with Ryan Ward and everybody um, occasionally, but from what I understand nowadays, um, it's almost come full circle as far as like, you know, when I started, there was a lot of collaboration. There was a lot of, you know, a little looser in the promo writing and it wasn't word for word and scripted. It got that way during like the, we just became a publicly traded company and we're now PG, that infamous, you know, period of time. And now from what I understand, um, it's kind of reverted back uh, to the more, you know, flexible, like, let's get the main points in. Um, we don't have to have every word approved uh, type of setting. And that is where I always, you know, thought it was the best spot. And that's where I kind of thought I probably did my best work when it was under those circumstances and not, you know, having to adhere to such a strict script. So, yeah, I would, I would always, I think, feel comfortable if uh, put back in that position. So what you're saying is you and The Rock will be at Monday Night Raw this month. <laughs> <laughs> That's not right. No, it's, it's funny. We had Eric Bischoff on the show yesterday, and he said, you know, that he spent a few years in pro wrestling, and now he gets to spend the rest of his life talking about those few years that he spent in pro wrestling. Do you kind of feel the same way, Brian? Like, no matter what you do, you know, pro wrestling is in your blood and is always going to be talked about. Yeah, I mean, it always, it's funny, like, you know, I talk about in the book a little bit, like when I, you know, as Bully knows, when I started in WWE, I was the quote unquote Hollywood guy. Now that I've left WWE, uh, and in, you know, even though I live in New York, in Hollywood, I'm kind of, you know, the wrestling guy, in a way, certainly the wrestling guy on the set of Young Rock, uh, because, you know, whenever there's it's funny, we, we, we joke with the creators all the time, the different iterations of the word over. It's like, you know, you, you get over, you know, with the crowd, you go over in a match, you are over if the fans are responding to you. And, you know, and after the one, two, three, the match is over. But there's so many like, you know, ways to mix that up. It's like, it's like, in uh, it's in like in Donnie Brasco. Forget about it. 
Yeah. You know, forget about it. <laughs> like the line, like, did I go over with the crowd? And I'm like, mm, excuse me, it's get over with the crowd. <laughs> Don't even get started when the word gimmick comes up. There's like 18 different oh. words for that too. You got to get the gimmick, brother. <laughs> but, you know, I love it. I'm proud of, you know, the work I did in WWE. I'm proud of the work, you know, I did, in, uh, you know, I'm doing on Young Rock and Tales from the Territories and the book and everything else. We have some other wrestling related projects, hopefully down the pike as well. So, yeah, I mean, I embrace it. I, I'm proud of, you know, that aspect of it, but also proud of being able to move on and do other things that have nothing to do with wrestling. Um, Brian, with the success of Young Rock now, you're heading into the third season and, and you see how well it's doing. Has that um, caused you to maybe pump the brakes on the storytelling of The Rock's career so you can get as many seasons out of it? Like, what's your forward thinking on on how you present his life, you know, through the TV show now? Yeah, it's a good question because, you know, initially when we did season one, we did four years at the University of Miami in four episodes, essentially, because we, we split the timelines. So there's 23-year-old Rock and 15-year-old Rock and like nine-year-old Rock, not to mention 2033 future Rock, which is, you know, played by actual Rock. Um, and I thought initially, I'm like, wow, that's uh, we're, we're blowing through the Miami years pretty quickly, basically done in one season. Uh, we, I could see us in Miami for two, three seasons or what have you. But, you know, you really, truly, you know, you never know. You can't guarantee like, oh, there'll be a fourth, the fifth season. Um, and the creators, you know, Nanachka Khan and Jeff Chang, they're very cognizant of it. And it's kind of like it's our sandbox. You know, it's our it's our rules. If we want to go as far ahead as we were like going this year and then next year, if we're fortunate enough to be back for season four, we could still like, you know, play with eras, play with time. It doesn't have to be so linear, um, you know, with our, you know, middle rock Bradley. Um, he started in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. It was, he went back in time in season two. Now he's back in Pennsylvania this year. It's like we can pretty much do whatever we want, but we also know there, there are iconic moments in The Rock's career that we definitely want to hit from his days of wrestling. And there's plenty of them planned for this year. Um, but, you know, we're cognizant, too, of, like, we have to have some place to go. And that's the, that's the cool thing. It's like you can cover the Attitude Era. You can cover, you know, when he was the top heel in the, in the nation and in the corporation. And then that's that's a full season right there if you wanted to but you could also cover the people's champion and when he was like the top baby face uh in the early 2000s you could also cover you know my favorite era heel rock era in 2003 and 2000 you know and coming back to wrestle with mick at msg against uh evolution in 2004 who knows maybe we one day even cover you know coming back to wrestle cena and that whole thing so there is a ton more to go um, so I don't think we're going to, we're going to go too quickly past the time where we're in a state where we're like, uh Oh, where do we go from here? I think there's always, you know, going to be an eye on that, you know, going forward. I want to go back. But we have to, to have our phone now too. Sorry, Dave. True. No, no. I, I want to go back to tales from the territories. Again, that premieres tonight on vice first episode is on Memphis, the, the CWA, and it's a great panel. You have Dutch Mantel, Jerry Lawler, uh, Jimmy Hart. I mean, it's, 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 it's absolutely, uh, Jeff, uh, Jeff and Jerry Jarrett. Um, what other territories are you planning to cover in the first season? So, yeah, what's really cool. We're actually doing two Memphis episodes. 
because we're, we're having a whole episode dedicated to the Kaufman Lawler saga, um, which is really cool. But we're also, you know, we're covering AWA, we're covering world class, we're covering Portland, covering Florida, um, we're covering, um, trying to think of how my mind scrambled, but like, um, basically, I think Mid-Atlantic, like all the, all the, all the touchstone territories. Uh, oh, in Calgary, how could I forget? We got Bret Hart uh, and Abdul the Butcher on the uh, wow. Stampede episode. So it's like, yeah, it, it's like we're we're going, you know, all out. And you know, even like, um, you know, I just watched a cut of the Portland episode, and I didn't know, you know, a ton of stories. I know some Roddy stories there, but like, there, the, the stuff that like. As a, I consider myself a pretty big wrestling fan, and there are stories and, and recreations of those stories that I never even knew about before. You know, not that I'm the be all end all, but you know, pretty much I thought I've heard a lot, but there's so much um, in every episode stories that I had never heard before, some that I had heard before in legend, you know, the legend of it, but now we're hearing directly firsthand from the people involved. Um, it's, it's really, really cool. And, you know, the way these episodes are shot, have you seen, you know, we have the round table with the actual people who experienced it, uh, or one, you know, person removed from <laughs> experiencing it, you know, when you're talking about macho man getting into a, a knife fight at the waffle house, you know, Amazing. you gotta have people there who at least heard it firsthand, or if not actually were there for it. Um, and then to actually see, you know, it's shot in the same style as a lot of those dark side reenactments um, to see those stories come to life. Um, it's just a really, it's just a fun show. I mean, that's again, what we wanted to tap into was the fun side of wrestling, the fun, the wild, the crazy. Sometimes the dark overlaps a little bit, um, but mainly it's not focused on the dark side. It's just focused on just the incredible side. Brian, one last one for me real quick. Um, of all of the guys that you have brought in to play some of the boys from back in the day, you know, from Rock's past that he came up with, who do you believe has really nailed the character? They really, I mean, I know it's going to sound like a cop-out, but they all are so good. I mean, we were shooting yesterday um, with Kiff, who plays our Pat Patterson, and... You know, like if you close your eyes, like Chavo, who's our, our, our stunt coordinator, like couldn't believe it. That, that's a boxing ring. You know, like my Pat sounds a little bit like uh, Count Chocula, but he does it perfectly. Um, but all our guys from Brett Azar as the Iron Sheik and, and Uli, I'm telling you, Uli as like 23 year old, 24 year old Dwayne. I mean, he could be a worker if he wanted to be. I mean, he's got the size. He's got the athleticism. Uh, obviously, Joe and Stacy, who play Rocky and uh, Ada and, and Anna, who plays Leah, like really, we were so honestly, I, mean, I don't use the word blessed lightly, but like we truly are to have like such great, great actors and actresses playing these real life people. It's it's pretty amazing. Busted Open is part of the Sirius XM Sports Podcast Network. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, Please give a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcast. Catch the full three hours of Busted Open Monday through Saturday at 9 a.m. Eastern on SiriusXM Fight Nation, channel 156. Go to SiriusXM.com backslash Busted Open Trial to start your free trial today. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So... No, that's a good thing. 
<laughs> That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.